The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who were in their boats mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Sorry. I was uh, in the in the shower recently um, thinking about the sort of routine that I do in the morning. Um, and I have uh, set up along the wall sh- uh, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, face wash every morning for as long as I can remember. <laughs> you know, and I know in our new house that I always turn on the second light switch because it's a little dimmer than the first one. In the morning, I don't want bright light. And the second one also has the exhaust fan attached to it, so it gets the, the condensation out of the room. You know, and so I, you know, I flick that on, turn on the shower, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, face wash, shave. Every morning. And I was just doing this uh, the other morning. I thought, oh, you know, <laughs> this, just, this constant rep- repetition every morning of the same kind of futile task. And I just I wish I could... I just would love to just get one of those laser hair removal things on my face, you know? <laughs> Such a pain to, to have to do that. I love going on vacation. I don't shave. Um, you'll see that on Facebook. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I just want, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of that, and I think I want something else. You know, I'm hoping for something else, something big to change, you know? And it's not just that routine. It's just like sort of everything in life is is often like that. You know, the route, there are two basic routes I can take to work, and just depending on what mood I'm in, I change it up. But basically, it's the same one, you know, and uh, dropping my daughter off every weekday morning for, until kingdom come. Um, and so that's just kind of what everyday life is like. It's like that for you. It's like that for me. Um, and meanwhile, Christianity is, uh, Christianity's constant charge often is... Uh, is to do fantastic and amazing things. You know, if you, if you uh, go to church or, or listen to uh, uh, Christians talking about the Christian life, it's uh, just sort of this, I, I want to say, um, not, not, uh, not a request, but more of a charge to, to do things that are a big deal um, out in the world. And this demand to perform often leads to, to guilt, um, you know, because I'm not doing enough, I'm sort of stuck in the day-to-day, like shampoo, conditioner, body wash, face wash, and so you know, I feel guilty that the big and amazing things aren't happening. I'm just stuck in the everyday, and 
And as a result of hearing the charge uh, from other Christians, it, it just leads to burnout, basically. Um, you know, I, I, got, I don't have enough blood to squeeze out of me, and, and I feel like people are asking for more, you know. And so when I try to give it, um, you know, someone asked me if I wanted to volunteer for something recently, and I said, no, I just, I, I can't give any more. You know, I want to, but I just, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm fully tapped. And, and so there's almost sort of like a, a dissatisfaction, therefore, um, with life as it is. Um, I hope that, you know, something will change. The routine will change so that I can do the, the big and amazing things. And our two passages today, the one from Jonah and the one from Mark, can kind of lead to this uh, sort of teaching to, 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 um, to do these, uh, these big, amazing things. You know, um, will you be like Jonah? Um, uh, where, where's your Nineveh ministry, you know? Uh, um, you know, you got to listen to what God's uh, calling you to do, this sort of thing. Like, you know, Nineveh, Jonah got the whole city to repent, you know? I probably won't be able to do that in Birmingham. <laughs> and if I try, um, you know, maybe God will do it through me. But, uh, you know, this sort of teaching often comes with a passage like that, uh, Will you be like Jonah? Or, you know, we're called to be fishers of men. And so are you fishing, you know? Um, are you proclaiming the gospel? And I've preached this sermon too, you know? I mean, and in the midst of it, I thought uh, with uh, something like fishers of men and the charge to go out and proclaim, and I just thought as the words came in my, out of my mouth, who am I kidding, you know? Um, here I, I'm proclaiming the gospel, but I, I don't expect you to come up and and preach in the pulpit, and you've got your sort of routine in life, and it's so hard, uh, you know, for me to add something on top of that as well. Um, and so it's really difficult with, the, with these two passages, what I can offer you, you know? I mean, I don't want to give you a charge, and yet here are two passages that lend themselves to it. Don't misunderstand me, though. You know, I'm saying all this, but I do believe, I do believe in Christian service. You know, I do believe that that is the fruit of saving and lively faith. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Um, uh, let me think this through. Uh, the overemphasis often in churches to, to do so much, though, leads to burned out people, um, uh, people who uh, are further broken as a result. I worked in college ministry, and here's a, another pattern for you. Um, you know, freshmen, it's, you know, if it's neatly four years, freshmen will come in, they'll get excited about a ministry in their freshman year and roped in about their sophomore or junior year, and by the time they're a junior, they're the president of the association and trying to uh, do all their homework, and then you never see them again your senior year. You know, why is that? Um, this... Uh, trying to take on the weight of the world and a ministry during your junior year of college is almost ridiculous. And I thought we should just really just be doing things for them rather than asking them to do stuff for us. And yet there it was, and I see it still to this day. You know, if uh, you were recently uh, in college, you've probably seen it yourself. And this, uh, this sort of approach to life is also kind of farsighted also because it leaves people frustrated and, and discontented with their everyday lives. Um, you know, always hoping for something yet to come up ahead, expecting the great thing to happen, and yet shampoo, conditioner, body wash, 
face wash and shave, you know, um, stuck in the, in the regular routine of everyday life. And, and yet I'm farsighted hoping for, for great things to come up in the horizon and not paying attention to what's happening right now. In the beginning of Mark's gospel, though, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. I was looking, I was thinking about what are some other, I wonder what other translations say. That's the revised standard version. What I just read, and I, um, there's this website that's called Bible Hub, and I'll give you just like the long list of, for, for any verse, like every translation. I found one I'd never heard of called the International Standard Version. For all I know, it's probably terrible. Um, but the translation was, the time is now exclamation point. The time is now exclamation point. And I thought, that's great. That's exactly what, what I'm thinking, what I'm trying to get at here. The point is that God is at work now. He does fantastic things through our everyday. Uh, he, he, the kingdom of God is at hand here and now. Um, you know, forget about the horizon. It was finished 2,000 years ago, and God's at work even when I'm doing this stupid routine in the shower and shaving or or dropping my daughter off at school, or, or taking one of the two routes. So we're permitted to stop thinking about the big possibilities in the future. We're allowed to think about, how is God at work right now? Exclamation point. Um, Jack Kerouac, uh, who you know is the uh, beatnik author, um, whom I love, you know, and you can say whatever you want about, he, you know, he did die of alcoholism, but he was a Man, he said some great things. Uh, he wrote this one uh, short piece on, on writing that's just a list of 20-some-odd tips for writing that I love, I come to often. And one of the tips, and that list is called Belief and Technique for Modern Prose. Jack Kerouac said, believe in the holy contour of life. And his list for, you know, this is a great uh, author, and his list for sort of like the 20 things, the top 20 things for him about writing, one of them was believe in the holy contour of life. Well, what does he mean? What does he mean by believe in the holy contour of life? What he's saying is that your life is ho actually holy. Your life has holy contours. Uh, even when you're doing normal things, you know, going about your normal business or stuck in some sort of rut or in a conversation with someone uh, that, you know, maybe it isn't painful, maybe it's just kind of ordinary, or, you know, with the cashier or something like that, or, or maybe it is someone that you don't want to talk to, but what Jack Kerouac is saying is that there's a holy contour to even that, and to believe in it, and he's, he's a man who thought anybody could actually write a book about their own life, and that's all he did. He just sort of gave you his internal monologue, and people loved it, and he's just sort of a a normal guy when you met him, but he had uh, uh, great things to say. And so take it from him. Believe in the holy contour of your life, even right now, exclamation point. Um, there's a, a, you know, St. Benedict, who um, kind of is a, a great father to monasticism, a uh, medieval um, monk and abbot who started the Benedictine order. He has this very short rule for his uh, monks called the Rule of St. Benedict. And most of it, you know, I actually read it and I think it's along the lines of what I'm talking about. You know, if you want to feel terrible about your life, read the Rule of St. Benedict because he will make you feel like you're not praying enough and, 
and etc. But these were monks, you know, that's all they did. But there's one line in the rule of St. Benedict that stays with me forever. He's talking about um, the qualifications for the monastery cellarer. So that's like the guy who takes care of the kitchen. And in this uh, short little passage about the qualifications for the guy who's in charge of the kitchen, he says, he will regard all the utensils and goods of the monastery as sacred vessels of the altar. He will, uh, he will regard all the utensils and goods of the monastery as sacred vessels of the altar. Now you have to imagine that these are poor monks in the Middle Ages, and he's saying these sort of common goods of the kitchen, the guy in charge of the kitchen ought to take care of them as if they're the patent and the chalice, the very ordinary thing of the kitchen, to take just as good care of that is the fantastic thing uh, that we often handle with so much reverence. We should handle even these sort of mundane things with just as much reverence. Um, there's a, there's a, a new worship band uh, that I came across uh, through happenstance. Uh, they're out of Atlanta. And if you like, if you like Taze, by the way, look up this band called House Fires because I think it's like a 2015 version of Taze. They're very simple and long songs that they just say the thing, same thing over and over again. You remember like with Taze, but it's a kind of postmodern sort of spin on that. And, uh, and by the way, I learned about them through a, a yoga class. Uh, I was doing yoga and I thought, golly, that's worship music. What is it doing here in a yoga studio. <laughs> and I asked the person about it, and she said, oh yeah, that's House Fires, look it up. And there's this one song called This Love. And these are the words to this love. They say, and they're talking about God, this love is an everyday kind of love. Every morning I'm in it, this love is an everyday kind of love. Every evening I'm in it. This love will ruin every fear. This love doesn't care if you think you can't cut it. He takes you with him, and he lifts you up. And they repeat over and over again, everyday kind of love. And that's what I'm talking about. Every morning I'm in it, and every evening I'm in it. Well, you know, what, what am I talking about here? How can I, how can I wrap all this up for you? Um, I'm often talking about how God is at work um, not in the highest of heights. He's often at work in the pain I've said that to you here before. But the thing I'm trying to say today is that God is also at work. Yes, he's at work in the pain. He's at work in the highest of heights, but he's at work often in the mundane. Uh, God is at work in the mundane. And, and just think of our passage from Mark's gospel. It's so interesting that Jesus calls for his first disciples these middle-class fishermen who live in the equivalent of middle America. You know, that was Galilee. And they weren't poor. It says Zebedee had hired servants. So this was a prosperous little family business, you know. You know what's more mundane than being middle-class in, in, in middle America, you know? I mean, I can say that because my dad lives in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> and Jesus calls fishermen just like this, in the middle of their workday, in the midst of the mundane repetition of casting and mending their nets. He doesn't go and find the people you would expect, the religious leaders in a place like Jerusalem. He goes to Galilee and calls some ordinary fishermen. 
as his first disciples. Well, I've been, as I was preparing for all that I want to say to you today, I was reading this book that I recently came across called The God of the Mundane. It's by a, a local author. We sell copies in the bookstore here, by the way. Matthew Redman lives in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, and so I was reading this. It's very short. This week and a few days ago, I got to page 50, and I thought, oh, my gosh. He cites the exact same verse that I was going to preach to you on today. And so I'm going to end by just reading from Matthew Redmond's The God of the Mundane. And he says all that I've been trying to say with uh, so much more eloquence. What I'm after is a life of moment-by-moment significance. I'm after the good news of Mark 1.15 sort. That's the, the verse I've been talking about. The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm a part of this kingdom. I'm not waiting to be a part of it when I die. I'm not more a part of it when I'm in church listening to a sermon or eating this bread. When I buy the bread, any bread, I'm involved in transactions that are kingdom transactions. This changes everything. No longer is the gospel the promise of something else entirely. It is now the message of now. Now you are redeemed. Now you are living as a member of the kingdom. You are Uh, disciplining your child, taking a bath, paying bills, and cutting grass as a member of the kingdom of God and of his Christ. And the reason this changes everything is because everything is now a part of this life in the kingdom. Every mundane moment sitting uncomfortably between those of ecstasy, spiritual or otherwise, is now worthy of attention. It It is no longer necessary to live on the fumes of the spiritual high that was or look forward to, the future, to a future hit. We have now the fellowship of the king. Every act is now a kingdom consequence, not just the big ones. Well, listen, the time is now! <laughs> Exclamation point. The kingdom of God is here, right here. God is at work in your everyday mundane life, here and now. And so repent and believe in the gospel, and believe in the holy contours of your life. Amen.